0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Pennsburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna and as always, alongside me, fellow Pennsburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode?
1: Uh, pretty good so far, Garrett. Uh, not much to complain about. Uh, been a pretty good week. Uh, a little wet outside, but uh, a little bit warmer. So I hope, cross the fingers, that uh, the warm temperatures stay. We just get some sunshine here at some point.
0: It's, uh, yeah, it's it's, right before we started recording here, it was really, it was downpouring at my house and it's it's still coming down, but, uh... April showers, they say April showers bring May flowers, and hopefully for the Penguins uh, some April showers and some April slides can bring some success in May as we uh, inch closer to the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, as we always do on the Pennsburg Podcast, we'll start out with the last couple of games the Penguins have played, and uh, we'll start with the game on March 31st, a game in which the Penguins win by a score of 3-2 to over the Red Hot Minnesota Wild Ricard Raquel would get the scoring going at the 106 mark of the first period, his 18th goal of the season. Raquel continues to look like an incredibly nice acquisition by GM Ron Hextall, uh, really playing all over the lineup, up and down the lineup, until he's uh, re- what we think is probably permanently slotted on that second line with Evgeny Malkin and hopefully uh, a healthy Jason Zucker. Matt uh, Matt Dumba gets uh, the equalizer for the Wild on the power play at the midway point of the first period. Both teams go into the first intermission tied at one Jake Gensel comes out at the 154 mark of the second period to give Pittsburgh the lead once again, his 32nd goal of his very impressive season on the power play. Raquel scores again at the midway point of the second period, gives Pittsburgh a 3-1 lead over the Wild. However, former Penguin Freddie Gautreaux would get his 10th goal of his season right before the second period comes to a conclusion that would uh, cut the Pittsburgh lead down to to 3-3 3-2 3-2 to two, uh, as they go into the second intermission. In the third period, wild superstar Kirill Kaprizov gets his 38th goal of the season to tie the game at 3 at the 102 mark of the third period. Both teams would remain deadlocked at three goals apiece. They would need uh, the overtime period to get the winner here. Evgeny Malkin would get his 17th tally of the season at the 357 mark of the overtime period. Pittsburgh takes a very impressive, very uh, much needed two points here against the Minnesota Minnesota Wild, who, uh, as I mentioned, Robbie, at the start, the Wild were a very impressive team coming into this game. Uh, Malkin's tally there in overtime uh, ends the Wild's winning streak at seven games, but uh, like I mentioned, Robbie, very crucial two points to maintain their pace in the Metropolitan Division standings. I'll hand it over to you. What were your impressions from the March 31st game against the Minnesota Wild?
1: Yeah, this definitely felt like the Ricard Raquel Ric- Ricard, coming out party because... I mean the two goals in this game. He finally kind of brought. He did what he was brought here to do, and that's score goals. And overall, uh, a big win against a very very good Minnesota team. Uh, and uh, just I mean Malkin with the overtime winner in this game on a very dogged effort uh, in front, being able to uh, stay with that puck and not uh, get knocked off the or knocked off possession um uh, be able to jam it home uh, to get the W in a game that they were up two goals and they kind of let it slip away. But, hey, they kept fighting, kept fighting, and they walk away with two points. And looking at what was coming up at this point, um, that was a big two points. And the Penguins, they played a pretty good game on the road in a tough environment against a very good hockey team. Um, they were to come away with two points. And, again, you look at guys like Ricard Raquel, uh, in this game, kind of making his mark with the Penguins uh, wasn't his first goal with the Penguins, but um, they were two big goals. And that's why Ron Hextall uh, ponied up to get him at the deadline is because that's what Ricard Raquel does, and that is score score goals. And he is um, on his own. He is not a his underlying statue. He's not a great uh, creator of offense on his own. But what he's done well his whole career is finish off chances that are created for him, and that is what he did in this game. That's what we saw the the best of Ricard Raquel in this game, and we just have to hope that it keeps keeps going. But, I mean, overall, from a team perspective, a very big win uh, against a very good team uh, on the road after blowing a lead in the third period uh, to keep fighting and to walk away with two points.
0: So the Penguins will would continue. Uh, they would ring in the month of April by heading out uh, heading out west to Colorado to play everyone's favorite, the Colorado Avalanche. Many picking them to win the Stanley Cup at the end of this season. Uh, the Avalanche would win this game uh, by a score of three to two. Uh, and th- with this was a home and home series between the Penguins and Avalanche. And the thing I'll say about this home and home series before we get a little bit more in depth with this recap here was I thought that the, the, the general vibe that the Penguins brought to both of these games against arguably the, the NHL's best team in the Avalanche, uh, I thought they played relatively well at spurts uh, th- throughout both of these games. Colorado would take both of these games. They would win both of them in the home and home. They would sweep the home and home. Uh, But we'll get into the scoring, the uh, scoring summaries, and then we'll talk a little bit more in depth about the home and home Miko Rantanen would get his 35th goal of the season for the Avalanche to give Colorado the lead in the second period of play, no goals to report in the first period. Uh, At the halfway point of the the second period, Colorado out 1-0. However, Sidney Crosby would respond in kind for his team just a few minutes later to get his 26th goal of the season, Crosby heating up. Uh, which is right, what, what you want to see at this point in the season. Uh, Crosby and the Penguins tie the game at one at the 14:46 mark of the second period. However, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, uh, roughly 20 seconds later, would get his eighth goal of his season to give Colorado the lead once again before both teams headed into the locker room for the second intermission. Coming out into the third period, Mike Matheson would tie the game once again for the Penguins at the 15:07 mark of the third period. However, again, roughly 20 seconds later, the Colorado Avalanche would answer again. Devin Taves would get his 13th goal of the season. Colorado wins this one by a score of 3-2. Uh, the Penguins outshoot the Avalanche, according to the NHL, NHL's official uh, website here. 40, 40 shots on goal to the Avalanche's 38. Colorado wins 56% of their faceoffs to Pittsburgh's 44. Pittsburgh goes 0 for 1 on the power play. Uh, this was a very fast-paced hockey game, Robbie, from what I could catch of it. Uh, and again, like I, like I mentioned at the start, I thought both of these games were relatively even. Obviously, the Penguins don't get the, the two points uh, during either of these games against the Avalanche, but take the loss out of the equation. Yeah, the loss stings as you're fighting for positioning in the Metropolitan Division, but having to go up against the Avalanche, which I believe is the NHL's best team at the moment, and play pretty evenly throughout points of this game, and we'll get to the following game on April 5th momentarily. The Penguins handled this challenge very well. Again, they don't get the two points, but this game proved to me, and we'll touch on it in the main segment momentarily, this game proves to me that the Penguins they're not going to i don't think they're they're going to be that one and done team that everyone thinks is what what they're setting up for everyone is qu- so quick to exclaim that the Penguins are it's another first round exit. They're going to get hosed by the Rangers. They can't beat the Avalanche. They can't beat the good teams when it matters most. Looking at both of these games, Robbie, I thought the Penguins were impressive at Spurts. And there's definitely a game plan there. There's definitely a game plan to to beat the the, the better the better teams in the NHL as long as they stick to that game plan. But I'll hand it over to you so you can give your thoughts. What did you like and what did you dislike from the April 2nd game against the Colorado Avalanche?
1: yeah i agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there and after the game even like mike sullivan and the players were even saying the only thing we change about that game is the result and a couple mistakes couple just untimely errors uh, is what cost the penguins in this game other than that they played a really good hockey game against the best team in the nhl in their own building and yeah, when you tie it up twice, especially late in the third, yeah, you you got to do everything to not give it right back. you got to keep uh, pushing, and it just – they fell asleep for a moment, and against a team like Colorado, you just can't do that. They're too good. Colorado's probably the, the favorite to win the Stanley Cup right now. They're more than likely going to win the President's Trophy. They're the best team in hockey for a reason, and you just – the mistakes they made, you can't make because – no matter how well your goalie plays, no matter how well you you play, that those are the mistakes that are gonna come back and bite you uh, when you play really good teams. And you can get away with it against teams like Detroit. You can't get away with it against teams like Colorado. It's just not gonna happen. Colorado's too good. They're too deep, and I mean, I mean, they're coached too well. It just they're too good. And outs, but outside of those just moments, and yeah, in, in a game. This time of year, especially in the playoffs, those moments are going to kill you. But in the if they keep playing games like that against teams that aren't the Avalanche, they're gonna they're gonna win games, and that's all that really matters at this point. Um, as we approach the playoffs, here is you keep playing games like that, more likely than not, you're going to end up on the good side. Um, but against a team like Colorado, it's just not it's just not going to happen.
0: So the Penguins would return home to the comfy confines of PPG Paints Arena to meet the Avalanche once again on April 5th. Uh, the Avalanche would win this one by a score of 6-4. to four. However, the scoreline I- isn't really—it's uh, kind of deceiving, at least through the second period of play. We'll get the scoring going here. Nathan McKinnon uh, gets the scoring going for the Avalanche right, at the, right out of the gate at the 2.45 mark of the first period. Colorado out to a 1-0 lead. However, just a few minutes later, Brian Rust would find the equalizer for the Penguins. And uh, again, it looked like these two teams were setting up for another very entertaining night of hockey. Both teams go into the locker room, uh, tied at one in the first intermission. Coming out, JT Comfer gets his 14th goal of the season for the Avalanche. They retake the lead at the midway point of the second period of play, Colorado leads 2-1. Nathan McKinnon would be credited with his 24th goal of the season at the 12-minute mark of the second period. That gives Colorado a two-goal advantage over Pittsburgh here. However, Evan Rodriguez, right, uh, right at the tail end of the second period, the 17 mark, he uh, gets Pittsburgh a little bit closer to uh, tying the game. He gets his 18th goal of the season. Uh, Colorado would head into the second intermission Uh, leading only by a goal, Colorado three, Pittsburgh two, and in the third period, things got a little bit wacky here. Just 61 seconds into the third period, uh, this was pretty much the dagger for the Penguins. Josh Manson gets his fifth goal of the season. Colorado goes out four to two. Darren Helm. Uh, I saw a lot of people making some uh, pretty funny remarks on social media. If Darren Helm scores a goal against you, uh, you, you have to you have to burn down the franchise. That's that's just part of the rules. Darren Helm gets his seventh goal of the season at the 15:03 mark. It's five to two, Colorado. However, the Penguins would not go down without a fight, as Jake Gensel would get his 33rd goal of the season at the 1836 mark. Maybe there's a glimmer of hope with just a couple minutes left, but nope. Arturi Lekkinen would get his 14th goal of the season at the 1907 mark, and Mike Matheson would round out the scoring at the 1929 mark of the third period. Again, Colorado wins this 10-goal affair by a score of 6-4. to Pittsburgh had 45 shots on goal to the Avalanche's 32. Pittsburgh wins 63% of their faceoffs to Colorado's 37. Uh both teams go a combined 0 for 5 on their power plays with the Penguins going 0 for 2. Colorado outhits the Penguins 31 to 26. Uh Robbie, I was uh, I had the fortune of going to this game and, and seeing the Avalanche up close and personal. And like I said before I started, uh, with Pittsburgh being down three to two going into the second intermission, this was another example. And you could look back at the last game these two teams played uh, in Colorado, where the Penguins and Avalanche kept it close. And if you're the Penguins, obviously you're not on the same level as the Avalanche are this season. But the ability for the Penguins to keep it close, have resilience, and keep fighting—obviously, they 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 get some. Uh, unfortunate luck uh, as Josh Manson comes out of the third just 61 seconds into the period to extend Colorado's lead but going into the third period only down a goal that has to give you some sort of uh, some sort of hope that hey we we can play with these guys and this home and home series against the NHL's best team proved to me that the penguins uh, they may have their flaws and they may not be in the upper echelon of contenders this year. But if they get hot, if they get the right goaltending from Tristan Jari, they have more than enough talent to maintain a competition with anybody in this league, Colorado included. Uh, obviously, the Penguins wouldn't see the Avalanche until the Stanley Cup final, so they don't have to worry about the Avalanche for the rest of this season until if they were to reach the Stanley Cup final. But this is the measure these are the measuring stick games this this home and home how would how well would the penguins play Against the NHL's best team in the Colorado Avalanche, and like we mentioned, the Penguins don't get the victory in either of these games. But there were moments throughout both of these two contests that showed me the Penguins can go toe to toe just about anybody if they're if they're playing the right way. If they're, as Mike Sullivan always likes to say, if they're on their game. I mean, look, they put 45 shots on goal on Darcy Kemper. I was watching Kemper uh, at this game, and he was giving up rebound after rebound. That might be the way that the Penguins or other Western conference teams, or if you're playing the Avalanche theoretically in the Stanley Cup final, if Kemper is going to be their guy, that, that would be the way that I would try and beat the is get traffic in front of Kemper and try to smash home a couple of those rebounds that he was giving up. Uh, that's what I saw from uh, from the game against uh, the Avalanche on April 5th. But Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. You can put the bow on this recap segment. What, uh, what were your impressions from the conclusion of this home and home set between the Penguins and Avalanche from April 5th?
1: I think you said it well there is these be- games being a measuring stick uh, for the Penguins. And if we're counting, t- or as of right now, Colorado is the elite of the elite. Uh, they are going to win the President's Trophy. They'll have home ice as long as they're in the playoffs. And they're probably going to enter as the the number one Stanley Cup favorite. And the Penguins, Tuesday night, not pretty. Um, it looked like they went down 3-1. And, again, they were 1-1 after they responded to that early goal by Colorado, and then Colorado, the, the they got two goals quickly there in the second period to make it three one. The the one from McKinnon you probably like stopped at first. I thought it was deflected or there was a big screen in front of Jari, and it turned out there really wasn't really anything there. That one you probably like stopped, uh, and then they come back. And they make it three two on that weird goal. Uh, that just got over the line that uh, Devon Taves really is the one that knocked it over the line to make it 3-2 and you're going at the end of 40 minutes there you're thinking momentum we're back in this and then a minute into the third uh, they take the 4-2 lead and Colorado kind of pulls away from there Uh, they use their talent to just kind of shut down that game uh, at that point and any hope the Penguins had was kind of erased uh, once it got to 5-2 it would just kind of it just spiraled from the Penguins from there. And are they, are the Penguins a tier one Stanley cup favorite? I don't think so. And I think these two games would show that they would, I, I mean, they can play with Colorado. I think Colorado is proven over these last two games that they were absolutely the better team and they deserve the victory. And that's what they got. And now in the Eastern conference, I think Florida is the tier one. if, Toronto gets goaltending. They're right up there as well. Carolina's in there. And I think that's your. I think the Penguins and Rangers are that tier two, uh, at least in the Eastern Conference right now, of playoff contenders. They're there with uh, Tampa Bay, who's struggling. Uh, they're there with Boston, who is. When Boston's playing very good hockey, Boston is right there as well. Uh, and then I think you look at teams like um, the Capitals, who are just. The Capitals, I just don't think the Capitals are a Stanley Cup uh, winning team this year. I just don't think they have the goaltending to do it. So the Penguins are in that tier two as a if the pucks, the bounces go their way, if the breaks go their way, if the goaltending is there uh, for two months, then absolutely they can make a run. It's all going to come down to just getting those breaks and maybe catching a team off. But a team like Colorado Are they going to be that off in a seven-game series? Is a team like Calgary going to be that off in a seven-game series? Or even in the East, Florida, who has just been remarkable this year. They're probably going to have at least home ice through the Eastern Conference playoffs. They're already breaking franchise records uh, left and right. Uh, Carolina uh, is kind of in the same boat. Uh, I think just you're going to have to catch them off and you're going to have to beat them over the course of four, seven games i don't know if the penguins are can do that or are built to do that but can they do it if the breaks go their way you never know so that's the great thing about the playoffs is all you need is things to kind of go your way and and that's going to be the same case for everybody though teams like colorado and florida they're better built to make things go their way but at the same time if you can catch them off You never know what's going to happen, and I think the Penguins are, while not a tier one favorite, I think that they have the capabilities to make a deep run uh, if the bounces go their way, and these games against Colorado showed that uh, where the gaps are, um, but that they can play to kind of make up that deficiency and be competitive and knock those teams off. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly.
0: And that's kind of where I want to take uh, this part of the conversation as we transition into the main segment this week. Looking back at the last couple of weeks of play for the Penguins, many Penguins fans on social media will look back to the loss against the Buffalo Sabres on March 23rd as being that kind of that beginning of this recent downturn in the form of the penguins since march 23rd the penguins have only won two games the 11-2 blowout against detroit and the aforementioned victory against the minnesota wild and so many on social media after running the gauntlet the penguins have uh, running the gauntlet against playoff caliber teams Stanley Cup favorites, so many are quick to exclaim, well, it's going to be another first-round exit. Uh, the, the Rangers are going to dust the floor with the Penguins. It's going to be another first-round exit where it's time to blow this whole thing up. Trade Latang. trade Russ, trade Crosby, blow this whole thing up. The the Penguins have uh, the rest of this month, the rest of April, and coming up, the Penguins have the Rangers Uh, As we record this on uh, the the 7th, uh, the evening of April 7th, the Rangers are coming up this evening. Uh, They'll play the Capitals. The Capitals and Penguins always play each other in a tough physical game. The Bruins are another team that's up and coming for the Penguins on their schedule. So uh, again, Robbie, the, the Penguins have to run this gauntlet of very challenging playoff caliber teams. The Rangers, the Capitals, the Bruins, the Wild, the Avalanche. How concerned are you, given this recent run of form, that the Penguins could close out this season in a relatively flat fashion? Like I mentioned, these are playoff caliber opponents, but do you think this kind of this kind of play, that this kind of dip in their form, could cause the Penguins to get inside their own heads right before round one gets underway, presumably against the New York Rangers?
1: I don't know if I'm going to say they could get in their head, because I think right now it just feels like, and I've seen fans talk about it as well. It just feels like, can the playoffs just start? Because it's just, it feels like everything's been so kind of certain about who they're going to play uh, for such a long time now. It's just more about home ice. It seems like that it's going to be Carolina, then Pittsburgh, New York, and then the Capitals out of the metro. It just feels like, I mean, we've known who the A teams are going to be for since like the new year, if not earlier than that. It just feels like we're in such a place that it's just more of let's just get through this without any major injuries. Um, I think the Penguins believe that they can beat anybody anywhere. Uh, Not that home ice isn't important or anything. I just feel like the Penguins mentally feel like that they know who they are. They know what they can do. Um, I don't think that I wouldn't put, personally, I wouldn't put too much weight Uh, on these games because I don't know, not that the Penguins are out there uh, just kind of lollygagging around and not caring. I just get a very sense of like, I mean, they think, they believe that they can beat anybody uh, on any ice surface in any arena. You put them in, the Penguins believe they have the talent to do that. So am I overly concerned? Not really. I mean, I don't obviously don't want them to go in on like a 10 game losing streak or anything like that. But I just, I just get a sense that a lot of people were just ready for the playoffs that now the fans obviously think a little bit different than the players. I I mean, the players, I mean, you don't necessarily want to empty the tank before the playoffs, especially when you're not pushing for uh, a division crown or you're on the bubble or anything like that. You're not necessarily needing to empty the tank. So maybe you just kind of conserve some energy. Don't put your body on the line. You don't want to risk any serious injury. We had the incident with Jason Zucker the other night in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, you just want to try to stay healthy, uh, win the games you can. you don't need to go out there. you don't need a you don't need to go seven and three in your last 10 games and make the playoffs. Uh, you I mean, if you beat the Capitals on Saturday, I mean that puts a big dent in them catching you. You have the Rangers uh, Thursday night here tonight as we record this. Uh, it'll be in a few hours uh, when they take it on, and then you're done with them. And it's more or less just uh, getting to the finish line and getting ready for the playoffs. So I'm not putting too much emphasis on on the results here because, and we mentioned against the games against Colorado, the process uh, was still really good, uh, and the process is like that. I'm okay with some of the results. Now, if the process would get sloppy and they would just look outright bad, then I might throw some concern uh, in. But for the most part, if you take into account the situation with the playoff picture, um, basically knowing who your opponent's going to be and looking at the overall process that they're playing with overall, I don't feel too much concern. Now, that's not to say that they can't go out and lose to the Rangers. The Rangers are a very good team with an excellent goaltender. Uh, but at, at, as well, the Penguins are a very good team with a very good goaltender. So I, I, that's going to be a very even uh, even series, I think, if should that come to fruition. But, I mean, the playoffs are hard. It's hard to win a Stanley Cup. Um, it seems like some people forgotten 2016 and 2017 already. Uh, it's very hard to win a Stanley Cup. And the days of the Penguins being like the 2016 team are over. Um, the NHL's caught up and that's the nature of the beast and i've kind of gotten to the point where i just let's just get to to the playoffs and take things one game at a time because uh, that's how the playoffs have to be played and um overall i just the the process is still good uh the results will come if you keep the process uh going like that so as for concern i'm not not very concerned to maybe a four or five Um, but again, if the process would start to fall apart and the results stay like they are, then we can talk about concern. But overall, uh, let's just, let's stay healthy, get to may and, uh, get serious.
0: You brought something up there, Robbie, and it, it's one of my biggest gripes with this fan base, the penguin fan base in particular, I'm not singling out anybody, but you mentioned that fans seem, they seem to have already forgotten what 2016 and 2017 was like. Yeah, 2017 was five years ago. You mentioned it, and I agree with you. It's incredibly difficult to win a Stanley Cup, and it's it's even more so to do it as the core of players you have continues to get older. Crosby, Malkin, and Latang aren't in their mid-20s anymore. And I get a large portion of sports fandom is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. And with the Penguins having not won a playoff series since 2018, many fans are understandably irritated and with each loss, as we get closer to the first round, it's, it's, it's more of the same. Oh, it's another first round exit. It's another first round exit. Oh, just, just blow it up. Now the penguins can't beat anybody, this, that, and the other thing. It's just, uh, I I get sports fandom and particularly in this town, particularly with this team, it can be an incredibly fickle thing. I think Robbie, you and I look at this kind of on the same wavelength, in a much more level-headed approach compared to some other fans, but it, it, it's a very it, it's a very interesting dynamic I look at on social media, and I get the social media bubble isn't completely reflective of the Penguins fan base. I'm sure there are many other more fans who are much more in tune with reality. The Penguins, as far as I'm concerned, are playing with house money for the rest of for the rest of the Crosby Malkin era. They won in 2009 and they went back to backs in 16 and 17, whatever they win from this point forward, if they win anything is just extra gravy. And if they don't win anything, then I'm fine. I'm fine with that too. There is, there, there seems to be a, a demand to win a championship every year. And if you don't win a championship every year, it's a complete and utter failure. And that kind of line of thinking is hilarious to me. I, I don't know how you can go through and, and watch the penguins struggle against the avalanche uh, struggle against the Rangers. Both are very good teams. The penguins take the loss against these teams uh, over the last couple of weeks. And you think all oh, the penguins are finished um, again. I, I may be preaching to the choir and I'm going to get off my soapbox to get into the mailbag here, but I implore the penguins fans who listen to this podcast and, just to watch the games, just to take a moment to reflect on what, how spoiled we've been for the last 15 and plus years, because and we've said this a thousand times on this podcast, when Crosby and Malkin and Latang are gone and out of the league, we could be in for some pretty lean years as penguin fans. So take a deep breath. The playoffs will be here before you know it. Penguins and Rangers will probably kick things off in round one, which is going to be a very even series, as you said, Robbie, but uh, maybe it's just a little bit of frustration and fans getting antsy, like you mentioned, as, as we just wait to get the playoffs underway. But with that, we will switch gears into the mailbag segment. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested in contributing to this mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg podcast Twitter account. Every week, we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. This week, it's a pretty short mailbag, only three questions. Uh, quick and easy, we'll probably get through this. Robbie, as always, you'll get first crack of the mailbag this week. Question number one for you comes from Penzhen, And Penzhen wants to know, how can a team acquire a new player if the NHL trade deadline has already passed?
1: Uh, well, I guess there's two ways, technically. One, you can still do trades. It's just the players being traded are ineligible to play in the NHL the rest of the season. There was discussion about that after the uh, Nikita Zadorov situation between Anaheim and Vegas at the trade deadline uh, with uh, no trade clauses being possibly violated. Uh, There was a way that they thought maybe the trade because of the situation, he could have been moved to another team, but he would have been forced to sit out the rest of the season. So technically, trades can still be made. It's just none of the players involved are eligible to participate uh, in any games the rest of the season. And then the other way would be the waiver wire. Now, you're not going to get necessarily a game changer off the waiver wire because that's usually guys that are being uh, sent down to the minor leagues um, uh, to play down there. And you, if they only have one-way contracts, they can only be, they have to go through waivers first where anybody in the NHL can claim them. Uh, And those guys would be eligible for uh, the games because that's not, that's just a transaction that is done. I mean, it happens all the time. If you pay attention online or something, you'll see a waiver wire update like every day. So um, yeah, as long as they're not claimed, then they go down to the, the AHL, but if they're claimed, they can join the team and they can go and uh, play immediately. So those are really the two ways that, uh, and technically you could sign a free agent that's that's out there as well. So I guess technically three ways, either a trade, but nobody is eligible to uh, play after that uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, waiver wire, where you pick someone off that has been sent down to the minors and be a free agency. But the last two options, you're probably not going to make um, you're not probably going to get a huge game changer uh, if that's the case. Question number two from Brian, uh, any realistic options to replace Letang if for some unforeseen reason we can't re-sign him? Uh, same question for Brian Rust. I understand the cap is tight, but he's so important to the team.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Good question, Brian. Uh, and to be completely honest with you, no, there's... No other defenseman on this roster, a right-handed shot defenseman who can do the things Chris Letang does. There's no other defenseman on this roster that can routinely play 25, 30 minutes a night uh, and have the offensive game-changing impacts that Letang brings to the team. Yes, he will have his moments where he'll make you scratch your head and he may take the dumb penalty here and there. But plain and simple, there's a reason Chris Letang has been on this roster for the better part of, of 15 years with Crosby and Malkin. A lot of fans were, were quick to make the declaration that John Marino may have been that that heir apparent to Chris Letang uh, and, and taking over some of his responsibilities. And uh, Jim Rutherford was very quick to hand out an extension after that very impressive rookie season. However, I think where John Marino is now is kind of his ceiling, that 3-4-5 level defenseman. I don't think Marino will be... The kind of game-changing defenseman, number one defenseman that you can count on, that Latang is, and I could be completely wrong two, three, forty years from now, and maybe Marino does transform into a Norris-caliber d- defender. Then um, the same thing for Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who is still, uh, as we speak, in the AHL, still trying to round out his game. Uh, he is 23 years old, and uh, defenseman Brian Dumoulin is a perfect example of this. Defensemen are often late bloomers in terms of their professional development, so uh, P.O. Joseph could come up here, and who who knows? He could explode to be that heir apparent to Chris Letang. Um, all signs from prior experiences in dealing with Joseph at the NHL level have maybe pointed him, again, being somewhere that uh, two, three, four kind of defenseman. I I don't know if if uh, if if Joseph can be the kind of consistent, bring the kind of consistency that Latang does night in and night out. But no, I don't think there's anybody on this roster or in their minor league system that can, can replicate what Latang does. It's going to have to be some sort of trial by committee trying to split that ice time. And the Penguins are a worse team defensively and offensively if Letang leaves this off season and, and signs elsewhere. And uh, you mentioned Brian Rust. We mentioned last week, last week's episode was devoted to the possibility of extending Ricard Raquel. I don't know if Raquel would demand the kind of money that Brian Rust is setting himself up for uh, if he does hit the open market. However, we mentioned last week that the cap, the salary cap is expected to rise by $1 million uh, next season. And uh, one of the ways that the Penguins could try and manipulate their current salary cap situation is trying to offload contracts like Jason Zucker's contract and and Brian Dumoulin's contract. There are there are ways, and there are very uh, very easy easy ways to retain Brian du- or Brian Rust. Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. The Penguins do have options at their disposal, and they can do it. They will be up against the salary cap and may have to make other tough decisions. But for Brian Rust and Chris Letang, the Penguins can very certainly extend both of them and Malkin as well. They just have to get a little bit creative with the salary cap as they enter this upcoming offseason. Question number three, the last question of the day also comes from Brian. Former Penguin Bo Bennett recently uh, joke-tweeted about rejoining the team to be the one injured guy. It seems like the Penguins are, are always getting injured, and that got Brian thinking, we've, we've had a couple of huge upside guys who never could seem to stay healthy. There was uh, aforementioned Bo Bennett, who dealt with numerous injury issues. Nick Bukestad, uh, a couple of years ago, was brought in, and it seemed like he was always getting injured. And now Jason Zucker has dealt with several injury situations in uh, this season alone. And uh, Robbie, Brian wants to get your thoughts on what you think uh, of some of these bigger upside guys just seemingly, for whatever reason, can't stay healthy with the Penguins.
1: Yeah, it certainly feels like the last few years the Penguins have really been dealing with some uh, injuries uh, on all fronts. That's uh, forwards, defensemen, it just seems like they're always going down. And I don't know if it's just, I mean, Bo Bennett was, I mean, it just seemed like he was cursed. He could, I think he got hurt celebrating a goal one time. So that Bennett may have just been one of those guys that was cursed and Bukesad and Zucker, Zucker just this year, it just seems like every time he steps on the ice, something weird happens. Uh, and he plays good leading up to it. That's what's uh, kind of crazy. Luckily, it looks like he's on his way back here, uh, very soon. He was taking line rushes the other day at practice, so hopefully he's not out a uh, long term this time. But um, I I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's an age thing. These guys are. I mean, Bennett and Bukestad and Zucker aren't exactly old, or were exactly old when they were getting injured. But I don't I don't know. Maybe it's the style of hockey the Penguins play, and maybe it's just freakish bad luck. I I, I don't know. I really don't have an answer for uh, for that, but that is sometimes how it goes. And unfortunately, the Penguins do seem to be a team bitten by the injury bug worse than others. But you gotta suck it up and next man up. And the Penguins have done a good job of that uh, over the years.
0: Three questions, very short mailbag this week, but uh, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Pennsburg Podcast. Again, thank you all, uh, all of you who download and listen to the Pennsburg Podcast on a regular basis. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Again, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pennsburg Podcast, and we will catch you guys right back here at this time next week.